0: Hey guys, I just had an amazing conversation with Udit Goyka, who is the founder of Pitch Ground and founder of First Sales. We spoke about failures, how he made his first million, how he was affiliate marketing, we spoke about depression, we spoke about how Marwadis have money making skills in their DNA and we spoke about so many other things including AI, which is a very interesting topic. So go ahead and watch the episode, do not miss out on this, the part that we spoke about at the end because I, I think it's extremely important for all of us to talk about mental health so don't miss out the thing at the end and don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell icon I'll see you guys in the inside Udit, you've had a very interesting background and you're currently doing a lot of interesting things and the way even I found out about you is because I didn't know you before I've been a big uh, uh, fan of pitch ground uh, when I saw first sales I was really impressed because cold email marketing is an extremely challenging you know this uh, thing proposition and uh, when I saw first sales and you know, I was I was blown away. And I'm very eagerly waiting for the version 2 to launch. But before we come to first sales and pitch ground, uh, I would love to understand your journey till your first startup. Because I know you've had 2-3 startup journeys, so we'll jump into each one of those. But before we jump into your first startup, tell me about your life before the first startup.
1: Um, started very young, hmm. I think when I was uh, 15. Um, I was very intrigued with gaming. Hmm. Gaming is what really got me excited. I think I screwed up my entire 12th grade uh, because of gaming. Um, i think i I started uh, like opening my books probably like two weeks prior to the exams and i was in science and i just scored 50 percent. i screwed up very badly and my dream of becoming a software engineer like completely shattered because i don't want to get admission into random college right it makes no sense but you know that gaming is actually what changed my life completely because i got exposure to internet at a very young age and when when i was gaming I was very curious about how the designs are made, how they are interacting and there was a game known as Ragnarok, uh, which was world's first RPG game, mm. real person game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where people are interacting, talking, selling something to each other. Uh, they are building communities together, fighting against each other to save the community. So I was like, let me let me work on these designs. And uh, I wanted to know how these designs are built. Mm. When I started Googling, I was like, there's a software known as Photoshop that you use to build all of these things. You use Illustrator to build these. Now, uh, what I did was I, I downloaded the trial version. I would download the trial version every uh, two weeks, basically. That's the, that's what was the only way because <laughs> as a student, obviously, I did not have like $400, $500 to pay and I would not go to my parents asking them to pay for a software and they would be like, what? Mm. You, you want like $500 for a software? People still don't pay $500 for a software, by the way, even even in 2023. So, uh, I somehow managed to do that. But also, I was, I was studying at the mm. time, I was in college. Mm. So what I would do is I would uh, leave the videos to buffer in the morning mm. uh, because the internet connection was 256kbps during that time. So I would leave about three to four videos to buffer. I would come back and then I would spend time watching those videos And that's how I learned to use my very first few softwares. And then I started building those designs and I started submitting into forums. So Ragnarok was an open source gaming platform, so Mm. anyone could deploy it on a server and Mm. they could could run it. Mm. I started getting appreciation for my work uh, to a point where now when I started doing that, I was like, how are these forums built now? Mm. How are they doing it? So I started putting up my work on Orkut. It, Orkut, 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 Orkut was the, the big thing back days. Correct. So I would put up my work and a lot of people saw my work and one of my friends told me, Udit, you should probably freelancing. Mm. That was the very first time in my life I heard the word freelancing. So I asked him, what is freelancing? He told me, udit you just go out there and do one project and people will pay you. I'm like, who's going to pay me? Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> Again, internet was still new in India back then. So eventually, I found my first client and he told me that udit I want to design a logo. I think I spent about a month and got $30. Um, I did not even know how to receive that money to begin with. So I opened my PayPal account for the very first time. And right away after that, I was like, How do I get the money from PayPal to my bank now? So I opened my bank account with ICICI and I told him, Do you accept money from PayPal? The manager said, What is PayPal? I was like, paise." I'm not PayPal to do it. How do I withdraw it? I went to dad and I told him, This is Dad was like, he cannot believe it that someone gave money on the internet he just couldn't believe it at all so somehow I went to the main head branch uh, I was a 16 year old kid and I said that my money is going to come to come I think he was the only one who knew what is PayPal so I said that no one can do it here give all these details on the email they will transfer your funds and that's how I got my very first transaction again I think about 14-15 years ago $30 was told, a big amount yes that is as good as today's 300 400 dollars basically so i got that and finally my my dad still couldn't believe that ki it was not about the amount but someone sent her money right so after that you know ki, matlab, share khun, khun i was like this is amazing yeah. as a as a kid as a as a student you're getting money and from there i did not stop I kept on learning and my desire to just keep learning the next big thing, right, because I did not want to stop. I self taught myself how to write pieces of code and my first major breakthrough was uh, when I built a WordPress plugin. I was just 18 years old. Mm. Uh, WordPress just came out. Mm. It was buggy. It was open source and buggy as hell. So what I did was I saw a gap. I was like, let's build something So I ended up building a WordPress plugin. In about one month of time, we did $350,000 in sale. Whoa. I was 18 year old and I was like, dude, what is Right? My life changed. I became financial independent at the age of 18. I would call it luck, I would call it timing, and I would call it precision and taking action. And that's what I did. In, unintentionally, I did not know that these things is something that you have to do. Is mm, mm. yes. I I learned by myself that you have to identify a problem. Mm. I learned by myself, and it was again all just I did not know all of these terms, right? Because there was no entrepreneurship entrepreneurship courses. No one is was doing that. Gan talks back in those days. So we were just able to figure things out uh, to a point. After three months, I got someone and I told him I'm no longer interested in this particular. You you take it. You take that project completely, right? Because it was just a WordPress plugin. So I moved on from that particular project. Uh, i ended up getting my very first property because i asked dad kya karu ka? so again he was more into he was more about physical asset hona chahiye as compared to stocks so paypal So uh, end up getting my very first apartment as an as an investment and uh, rest of the money i just put in fd because wo time pe 12% interest was right? <laughs> good old days correct so I Ended up getting that FD, and uske uh, baad I kept on freelancing again, right? I was building a lot of applications. I started building applications for a lot of company, mm-hmm. and this is where I discovered my uh, for my my co-founder Oscar. We started interacting. We spent talking to each other on a on a G chat because back then there was again no such platform. There was just Skype mm-hmm. and Gchat. There were the only two platforms. Today it's known as Google Hangout. Okay. So we started interacting with each other for almost a year. Mm-hmm. We built a great trust to a point where we were like, let's do something together, mm. right? We do but let's do something. So he said, ki right now, like uh, hosting industry is pretty hot in the US at the moment. Everyone is getting into it. I think we can get into that. So what I did was again, I broke a bit of my FD, mm. got some of the funds from there. Mm. And um, we were like, okay, let's do it. Mm. So we initially, uh, to before we, uh, before we started getting into co-location, uh, we were like, no, I nah, starting to the servers rent pe lete hai, and let's see if we sell it or not. Mm-hmm. Just like how you do uh, a pilot for an MVP. Again, we, I did not know about any of these terms. right? We were like, rent kare, kare, try karte, chote amount se. We were able to make an ROI of almost 300%. We were हम server 200 We 600 Okay, per month. So we were like, Bhai, ye dhanda yaar, Right? Because we were adding services to it. Right. Services was Just be there for support. It's <laughs> not right mara, mara. And people started paying us for the same. So, as we kept on increasing our volume, our prices started to decrease further. Our margins improved. We said, I think now it's time. I think we should build it. So, uh got my visa, got my B1, B2 visa. And uh, then after that, again, I was ke- kept on traveling because of B1, B2 visa. Mm-hmm and right after that um we ended up buying servers worth of almost two hundred thousand dollars on credit wow right because the data center uh operational the owner of the data center was like sort of indian hmm. right so <laughs> i told him help her hmm. starting mein. Hai, thoda sa bhai bhai. Hmm. <laughs> so we got about two hundred thousand dollars worth of credit for him we told him that over a period of six months we'll pay you that and he was very okay with that because he already saw we had a very good business going on and if we are moving with him uh, that's a good thing for us guess what we learn network marketing from that guy what people pay two hundred thousand dollars to learn we learn how to do networking right i'm not talking about that that physical marketing network right? I'm, I'm talking about the actual uh, networking right we learn how to run six, six, uh, cisco 6500 juniper 3300 with him we spent zero money on learning that and from there we found a huge gap right mm. of SaaS companies and vpn companies growing very aggressively during that time and that was our target market we would just focus on them and we would try to onboard them mm. we grew to a point where we ended up having thousands of servers across four different cities uh, la then uh, then texas dallas mm. then uh, it was in new jersey and then in amsterdam so we covered pretty much most of these regions, mm-hmm. now when we were like very happy, everything was growing, that's when we sort of the news started circling within the industry because when you're in a certain industry, you get to have that information a bit prior to everyone else because right. you get insider information. So we heard that our AWS is, is coming up with a startup plan because AWS was still back there when we started, but they were just selling bare metal servers then. Mm. And we were like, if we got a $100,000 credit, there is no way we can compete because we are targeting the same audience. audience is not the same, audience is the same. There is no way in the world we can compete against Amazon. Hmm. No way. Hmm. Right? Right away, I spoke with my co-founder and I uh, I think it's time to make an exit. And that's when we, we, we spoke with our neighbors. Because in hosting industry, even though they are competing in front. They're all friends behind the scene because our server, their server, bagel Bagal, bagal meh hotthe the, douno saath mein lunch karte h, dike hai, hai dono saath mein dinner karte h. Kitne baar we have all slept in the data center itself. we data center se aati nahi the, data pe. So from there, I we, uh, we spoke with uh, some of our good friends uh, who were targeting China and who were targeting like Asian countries basically. so unhone we'll acquire. You guys have very good customer base. You guys have like good business going on. So we'll we'll acquire. That's how we made our very first exit nice. so that's that's been sort of like that early journey for me this is what i was doing early to to a point where i was this made. company
0: called uh, which one the first company the first post- one
1: the first company was known as power of posting power of posting
0: how did you come to the name power of posting
1: um we we were looking for a domain with good backlinks <laughs> there's there's no like crazy story behind it right uh, because SEO is something that we knew very well, mm. even back then. Mm. So we saw that there was a huge backlink and someone had dropped that domain. Mm. So we were like, the, for $10, we are getting a, a, a domain with close to around 200, 300 plus very high quality backlink that had links from Forbes and everyone. We were like, Bhai, so perfect hai, because when we push in articles and things like that, we would be able to rank for keywords a lot faster. Bastard. That's the story.
0: <laughs> so once you sold the first startup, how long did it take for you to start your second startup?
1: So we were already we already started working on the second startup while we were running the first startup. Nice. Because we we wanted to have a mix of our knowledge of hosting and our new acquired knowledge of SaaS. Hmm. So that's when we came up with this product known as co Hmm. which was infrastructure as a service, Hmm. where uh, what we did was we started focusing on these SEO people. Hmm. We started helping them build private blog networks across our entire platform because building that is a huge challenge. So we simplified it with with a solution uh, to a point where we again, we were able to grow it to over a million dollars in ARR in, in about nine months of time.
0: Just double click on private blog network. What does that mean? Because a common person doesn't know a private blog network is. People understand backlinks. What that is private blog network?
1: So, private blog network, the concept is very simple. What you basically do is instead of reaching out to people and trying to ask them for backlink, hmm. you end up setting up your own blogs. So, that's why you it's known set up as 20, 30, 50 yeah, you blogs. You end up setting up like 50, 100 blogs of yourself and you basically acquire links from your own blogs. So, that's what it's known as. Private blog network. So you're setting up a network of private blogs.
0: Basically. So you set up, let's say, 50 private blogs yeah. and blog, uh, blog A will link to blog B, correct, so on correct, and so forth Correct. Your and multiple yeah, articles correct. linking to multiple correct. articles. And was that automated. automated or was that very manual driven or was there some automation? No, that's,
1: that's the difficult part was the setup uh-huh. and the management of that blog hmm. was the most difficult part because imagine if you have, uh, so the, the biggest pain point of this was you had to diversify your hosting. You cannot have all your 50 blogs on one IP on one network, right? It's very easy to leave footprint. So we build, ended up building sort of something like Zapier, but for hosting, basically. Nice. Right. Nice. We connected all the APIs of different, 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 different providers under our platform, so that with, within just one click, you'll be able to deploy wherever you want. If you want to deploy on GoDaddy, you're just one click away. If you want to deploy on Namecheap, nice. you're just one click away. If you, if you want to deploy uh, to DigitalOcean, you are one click away, Vulture, one click away, AWS, one click away. So you will able to diversify in different regions, different countries with just one click. That will save you a big amount of time because imagine you going back to your Excel sheet and trying to just look for login details all the time. That's for every, like 50 IPs, yes. 50 providers. 50 providers and then multiple blogs on that. Then on oh. top of that,
0: you have so a front end yes. where you can click one, yes. start, Publish Correct. an article from the same place. Correct.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But absolutely. But completely diversifying and ensuring that you're not leaving any kind of footprint anywhere. At the same, same time
0: linking. Yes. So, so the linking, we have to still probably, once the article is written, you still have to link it manually. Yeah. Ah. So the article
1: is writing is always, even even right now, that's still gonna be, even with AI, it's still gonna be manual, right? So And that process needs to be manual because you have to ensure that you maintain the quality because eventually if you are putting up content, if you do any content, you have to make sure it's quality. You cannot put random gibberish and uh, garbage content anywhere on the internet because it will damage your reputation. It will not lead and Google today is smart. Even back then, Google was smart enough to figure out the quality of your content.
0: So I remember uh, one of my uh, first jobs, working in a startup in the U.S. It was a, a company that sold security equipment online, security equipment of cameras, handcuffs, and stuff. That way, and I was their first employee, and uh, and I was studying there, and I wasn't officially allowed to work because I was studying, and uh, so I was literally getting paid through a friend, right? And uh, we were making, and I was making websites for them, simple websites, but then and obviously SEO was a big thing. Uh, so one day what I did is I said it takes time and backlinking and all I said what happens I mean you're looking at keyword density and things what would happen if I take one page which is already keyword rich and if I make a 1000 copies of it and all those 1000 copies link back here. What will I mean I just test like literally control C and control V, I there was a small code 1000 pages ban and we made it for a new product. The next morning we were number one. Oh, there because was Google…
1: Those were good old days. <laughs> those were good old
0: days that right? you could try all this out. It worked for a good year, year and a half. We were able to launch a new product and we were on the first page of Google. No ad spend, no nothing. And I think that that whole concept was called ghosting. You would create a ghost of the main page and you were able to trick the system. This is back there obviously, then Google caught on and overnight… Okay, pages no,
1: absolutely, that, absolutely. Right. Because I, I remember uh, one of my very big client, at power up posting as well um he would build close to around uh, 30 40 new uh, websites every day and he was just focusing on payday payday loan keyword which is still the biggest keyword uh, in the world right when it comes to cpc cost uh, because people are generally looking for payday loans um, on a very frequent basis from page one to page three he would rank for every keyword
0: so just completely wiped off his competition. Yes. There's no competition. There's no comp- and
1: every network, every bank, every player would beg him to give that lead because there is no way any would compete against him. Because people did not know how those SEO things were done. And he had built a completely automated system to do that. Nice. I was just stunned, right? Because I would interact, like I'm I'm very curious. I would always want to learn, and especially at that young age, like, how are you doing it, right? And uh, people would always talk, they would always share. Like good people, they don't hide their secrets. They always share whatever they're doing in the most authentic and genuine way. That's what I learned from him. Uh, He was a client based out of Germany. And I was just stunned. I think he was probably making around $40,000, $50,000 a day uh, from network as affiliate. He was making around $1.5 million a month. Wow. His cost to run the entire operation was less than uh, $5,000 a month. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's brilliant. People find such ingenious ways of you know of creating leverage. It's Im- impressive. You know, how but when
1: to- it comes to leverage, use it when it, until it lasts, because it will stop working eventually. And uh, then those kind of keywords, when Google found out, right? Google started monitoring them manually, and if they see anything they would just hit you with manual penalty now. So similarly with insurance keywords and all of these like big keywords now, Google does a manual. They have a team that just focuses on that specific keywords. If they see any sort of manipulation that's being done, they
0: just give you a manual penalty to it. And, the, and uh, the other day I read a very interesting uh, quote. They said, do you know which is which is the best place to hide a dead body? Second page of Google. <laughs> Nobody looks there. So <laughs> I, Actually,
1: that's not true. Uh, that's actually not true, right? Because when I was speaking with this uh, with this individual, mm. he said that that's not true. People would always look for options. People would not see and click the very first link. Mm. If they're buying something, they would actually go on second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth page. Wow. They would all go back as much as possible if they're looking to buy. Mm. If they're just looking for information, mm. they will probably click on first link and they they would leave. But then again, that's not where the money is. The money is when you're focusing on the buyer's keyword Mm. and not on the uh, first layer of keyword that's gonna give information, right? Because there's also that third journey where you initially want to find more information. Mm. Once you've found more information, you wanna learn which are the products and companies that exist. Mm. Once you find that out, you want to learn the reviews about that industry, about that particular company, and then you would be making a purchase decision uh, after that. So focusing on which journey you want to focus on Mm. is very critical. Mm in the information journey no one takes buying decision ever it's probably like less than 0.1% but majority of the people don't take their buying decision when they are the just looking for
0: yeah when they're looking for information so circling back to the private blog network then what happened with that with that startup
1: uh so we grew to over a million dollars in arr in less than 9 uh, nine month of time and after that our growth dropped we were like clueless why why this is happening what's the reason behind it and when we started searching, we were like, there are, there are terms like, damn, total, serviceable market. I'm like, what's this uh, right? No one taught us all of these things. And that's when we realized that this is such a sub niche category that we have picked up and was one of the reasons why we grow so quickly. Because when the industry is small, you grow very quickly, but you get stagnated. Now, if you're happy making that a million dollar, right, after all our expenses, we'll probably be left with about like 70% of the margins if we are happy doing that then you can just continue running but if you really want to think of growing and making Mm. an eight or nine figure uh, usd business that was not the case because the total addressable market was tough and with google coming up with new and new updates that market will not grow either right because people rebuilding things moving things that's just a pain so we finally decided let's make an exit we spent a lot of time couldn't find a single buyer so Mm. that's when my co-founder and I decided, Ki, uh, let's try doing a very unique kind of an exit. Uh, we are seeing demand coming in from our uh, for our uh, software and there is a demand for our customers from our competitor. So, we reached out our competitor and told them, you want to buy our customers because we are looking to make an exit and we are looking to go full-fledged into SaaS uh, and not infrastructure as a service. So, they said, yes, they acquired our customers. And someone who was looking for tech hmm. because they wanted to build a hosting solution because the same tech can be used for hosting solution as well okay. and um, Oscar and I, we decided we're not going to go back into the hosting business. But there was just too much of hosting business that we had done. So then we decided Ki, let's sell the platform as well. That's how we made a very different and unique kind of an exit than the typical exit that you would hear very often mm. that the company has been acquired or they have been merged. Mm. But we ended up splitting our
0: entire two critical IPs mm. and that's how we made the second exit. I think that's a very... Uh, so. I found two very interesting things in that. First is how you structure that exit where you actually broke it up into separate parts. Very, Very rarely you know, do people end up doing that. And second, my question to you would be, whenever you exit a company, I, as an entrepreneur, so I've exited till now twice. it's a it's a bittersweet feeling, right? Because you've also built this baby, you've got to a certain size, you've got you know the teams over there. And when you have to exit, you're also saying bye to that family, you're also saying bye to a baby that you know you've created. and but it also frees you up to do uh, you know maybe different things or different passions or pursue different passions. What is your experience when you've had two exits? in this case, till now, till the story right now, you've had two exits. What was your experience with those exits?
1: I think every time you want to build something new, you want to build something different, it requires a higher capital. Hmm. Because everyone wants to solve one of the biggest problems that's out there in the world. But to solve that, you you require capital. Hmm. Uh, raising capital all the time is not the best option. Uh, sometimes founders just need to wait for the right time to come in and use this as a pathway uh, to build something bigger. Because this also gives you an experience and it also gives you the tag that you had in exit. Because this builds a lot of confidence potentially when you try to find your future co founders. Um, you tell them that I had an exit and that builds a confidence in them. Just like when you're trying to get into a relationship or you're trying to get married, mm. they see your CV, right? You, you have your biodata and things like that. When you're trying to get into a relationship, people see and, and get to know more about you. That's the same thing with, with when you're trying to find a co-founder as well because if you don't have enough credibility, the other person will say, no, I'm not going to be working with you because you spend, you end up spending more time with your co-founders than with your family today. 100%. So, you have to build these to build the credibility, and when you build this credibility, it also helps people to kind of like finally trust on you that you you actually have something in you to do it that helps you in the longer run because then you're not a first time founder you're not a second time founder and also at the same time when you build the next venture mm. you can avoid making the mistakes that you have done in the past ventures yourself so i think that's the learning that you take so anytime you build something Mm. you will have to have an exit plan some or the other day you'll have to have a very clear exit plan right now the exit doesn't necessarily mean selling the company Mm. so for example if the company grows so much Mm. that you decide that i think we need a more dynamic ceo in the company i will just take an exit i will now sit on the sides and i will just watch the show i've run the show for a long time now it's time for me to watch the show so Exits are not about just about selling the company. Correct. It's about, it's an exit for you as an individual while
0: everything still operates the same way. So it's exit from that role. Yes. Many times people, when because in the whole startup world today, the word exit has always meant sold the company and left. So the reason that point resonated a lot with me, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I'm running multiple businesses. But in many of the businesses, I have exited, I look at it, once a quarter, as a balance sheet, that's it. I am not operationally involved. I do not get calls when things go wrong. Get the right people, give them the freedom, get out of their way. When they need you, they will call you. Right. But otherwise, they don't. Right. Absolutely. So having that is, I think, also a great way. Of absolutely, way of doing
1: absolutely. That. It's it's all about you exiting that role now. Whether you get paid for it, you don't get paid for it. I think that's that's secondary, right? That's very subjective as a term. That's how you make an exit. Right. Because eventually you would want to solve bigger problems in life. And for that, you have to leave your existing role. You cannot operate two or three roles at the same time, because no human can operate and do three work, right? We are not designed for multitasking, we are designed for single tasks.
0: Correct. So now uh, let's jump into your third startup.
1: What was that about? Our third startup was the biggest nightmare, biggest mistake of my life, (laughs) Uh, literally screwed up, effed up, whatever you want to call it. so, I've been outreaching for pretty much my entire life. Because mm. when I was also building up my very first company, PowerUp Hosting, um, CPC back then for hosting Word was around $31. Back then, it's, it's over $50 possibly now. Wow. Um, there is no way we could compete against against them. Again, as a bootstrap company, paying $31 for a click, forget about lead. Convert
0: to, pardon.
1: Me. Right? It was just impossible. So, we found out two ways to grow power up hosting. One was through partnerships, mm. and one was through cold pitching. Mm. Right? We never did cold calling, it was just cold emailing. And when you do cold, cold emails in US, people will always respond because that's why you have a business email. You want people to actually reach out to you. That's why business emails exist. So, uh, what we did was we out started outreaching to different potential players to partner with them who are not competing against us, but still trying to serve the same customer in some other way. So we started outreaching and we saw great response from other people as well because it was great collaboration that's happening between two different companies uh, lowering down the cost of acquisition. Mm. Then the second method was we were just like cold emailing to certain prospects that we, we were able to figure out and we would just cold email them that look, this is what we do, this is what we provide. We are based out of LA, happy to catch up for a coffee. right? I would always meet 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 all of those prospects in person back then there was not something like zoom or anything right so skype call is something that not many preferred as well so people would want to do things the traditional way which is meeting up so uh, initially we would just focus in la and uh, la and la as a county right so there are multiple cities in la mm. so we would just focus on la county and orange county mm. those are the only counties that we would just focus on initially We would cold outreach to the SaaS companies and LA being the biggest networking hub in the world uh, that gave us a plenty of opportunities because a lot of hot things were happening in LA still happens all the time so we reached out to a lot of companies over there and we would just tell them that hey let's just catch up you know let's just catch up for a simple coffee I'll pay for your coffee Mm. right and uh, (laughs) people would come because they anyways have lunch so we Mm. uh, we wouldn't even ask them to come uh, and meet us in a certain area we would tell them Tell us your favorite co- coffee shop uh, in your area, right? Would come over there. You would anyways have a lunch. You would have a break. And most people in LA, when they have a break, they don't carry their tiffins and breakfast or lunch with them, right? They would go to the shop. They would eat fresh, uh, uh, hmm. fresh lunch, and then they would go back, right? So lunch for people in uh, in in US is is big. Yes, it's very important for them. That's Absolutely. that's what I learned. And for us. It's usually the dinner, right? but for them, it was the lunch. lunch. So I told them like, anyways you're going to have lunch, just give me that time. I'll pay for that time as well. And let's have a chat. That's how I closed majority of my SaaS company deals. That's nice. how I closed majority of my VPN company deals over coffee. Nice. Nice. And that's how I learned that cold email actually works. Mm. I did that for my second venture as well. And when naturally, when I when I exited from both of them, mm it was a very natural process for me to see how can i automate what all things i was doing manually with the help of a software it was a very natural progression because i figured that emailing people manually one by one by one and mm. following up one by one by one is just too much pain it's not scalable Correct. you'll reach to a certain point you will need to hire more people and and that gets very expensive in us so we decided to build a software around it but unfortunately the team couldn't uh, was was not able to pull off the software In the right way right? because the the most difficult and critical part was scheduling. Mm. Schedulers are the most difficult thing to build when it comes to any kind of SaaS. Mm. So the team couldn't pull off. Uh, We wasted a year. Uh, My team told me that it will probably take some more time. I put in more money for the next year. It came to a point where we were just bleeding cash and I couldn't like effort to bleed more cash. Mm. And right from everything going up, making exits, I came down right on the floor. Right, So going from 100, I hit zero from there and that was the moment I realized that no, that's not how things work. Went into a heavy clinical depression for about nine months. It was probably the most difficult phase for my family, not just for me because they have to deal with me every single day. And that's very difficult, right? There's literally no one in my life during that time. No one except for my family and except definitely for my co-founder because he was going through the exact same pain. So after nine months, I just told myself after some consultation, Ki, I have to come out of this. Mm. And for me, job was not an option because being a, being a Marwadi, I was always taught, do your own thanda. Do your own work, do your own thanda. That was just being like implemented in my DNA since day one. I see businesses around my family. Everyone in my family is doing a business right from my cousin to my dad, my uncle, on my mom's side family, I do everyone seeing business. I've just seen businesses around me, so doing a job for me was was very off at that age. And I was like, I don't
0: know, I, I just cannot work for someone. And I think after you tasted yes. the freedom or whatever you want to call it, I tasted success.
1: Onto... I tasted success <laughs> very early. That was a problem. Usually people do not taste success so early, right. and I think that got into my head somehow without me realizing that I I got that success very early, right? So when I came down right on on the floor once again, it was very difficult for me to just start up and I was doubting myself whether I would be able to pull off this time or not. Mm. But this time what I did was I took a very data-driven approach. I did a lot of research. Mm. I looked into a lot of videos because resources started coming out. How to build startups the right way. Mm. I read a lot of books and when I was searching on the internet, I landed on this video by Simon Sinek on what's your why.
0: I love that video.
1: And that video, that TEDx talk, you won't believe it changed my thought process because the whole time I was asking what and how. I was asking wrong questions because in schools and colleges, we are always taught to find answers. We are never taught how to ask the right question. True. Even today, most people do not know how to use Google because they don't know what to ask. So that's when I learned that you have to ask the why and not what and how. Mm. And when I started seeing why my startup failed, why my SaaS failed, I landed on this article. So this lighter capital article was ranking number one. Mm. And the title was 92% of the SaaS companies fail. I was like, oh, this is me. I am the part of the 92. Yes, I found, I, that's me. You know, you find something relatable on the internet. Mm you start finding answers and you start finding the relatability of, the, of that answer. It really sort of helps you out. Mm. So I went ahead, clicked on it, read the article and I saw the start that 92% of the SaaS companies fail within the first three years. I was blown away. I was like, there are 91 other founders like me out of 100 founders have gone through this and um, that's when I decided I think it's, it's high time. I solve this problem. But this time I took time, right? This time I learned that You have to go slow you have to focus on mvp you have to focus on making sure that you validate your idea Uh, you have to focus on making sure you build right concepts you have to go slow during the first six months you cannot rush into building this time i spent six months just doing research talking to founders finding out more failure stories somewhere on the internet reaching out to them talking to them getting them on call just to understand what the core problem statement was which i did not do in either of my three startups mm. so in when I got for the second two time the third time I naturally thought let's just solve this right I did not do any research mm. but the fourth time I was very precise way I will just trust one thing which is data mm. 98% of the time data is accurate 2% you risk to risk to Right? And 98% of the time data will always give you the perfect answer. So I was like, now data is coming. I ended up coding the MVP myself. A very, very, very simplistic version of the platform where there was no vendor panel, nothing. I would basically list myself and um, I just connected with some uh, ready-made uh, payment gateway available. So I wouldn't have time to code that as well. Uh, Within one month, we basically built the MVP of the platform just to test the hypothesis this time and I reached out to the first founder Mm. and I told him that this is my story, I know how to solve this because I'm very good with marketing and sales, Mm. it was just my bad luck that I couldn't build the right product back Mm. then Mm. or else I would have probably grown that to eight or nine figures by now. Mm. So he said, okay, let's give it a try. What's going to happen? We'll get some sales. Sales is sell sales, right? So why not go ahead and launch with you? We did a twenty-one day launch, and we did eighty-two thousand dollars.
0: Nice, very.
1: Hundred percent bootstrap, spent zero money on marketing.
0: Or no Google ads, no, nothing, nothing. Nothing. How nothing. did we get that traction? Now that's very interesting.
1: I reached out to a couple of influencers, and I told them I'm going to pay you X percentage. Nice. I used their network. To leverage. Really? I built the platform. I got the influencers because they did not have the connection to the companies. They wouldn't be able to crack the deals for the companies. And it's a win-win situation for everyone. And they would get a certain percentage exactly. from the entire deal. Nice. right? Whatever sales that have generated, I told them, I'll give you a certain percentage so you win as well. That's how I cracked and built the whole layout. And like I said, in 21 days, we did $82,000 launch. And this is with one company this being was, listed? Yeah, the first company. First company. The first company being listed. Uh, and again, it was just me. That's it. I was I had no one to begin with because I started Pitchground just by myself mm-hmm. initially, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is how we started. Then we went ahead and launched the second company, then the third company. And 25th September 2018 is the day when we went live for the very first time. So I, I'll probably forget my birthday, but I will not forget this day ever in my life, right? Because this really changed everything to what I am today. Uh, helping me build. By far the most successful startup that I've ever built, bootstrapping. So, we did about again $350,000 within just three months. Wow. The next year, we crossed $1.3 million in annual revenue. So, and we never looked back. So, when I went with these stats, I spoke with Oscar once again because this time he was also very like, Kya karna hai, karna hai, hai, right? When I went to with these stats, he was like, this is brilliant. to this. Okay. I want to. I, I'm in. Right. So I told him get in right away. Uh, he joined in. And uh, during this journey, uh, my co-founder was my second co-founder was looking to see how he can grow his startup, how he can sell his SaaS. So he discovered our platform. And uh, in his entire life, he has never bought a marketing software. There's a thing with developers; they will never buy software easily, <laughs> right? They they always think Main sab I can make everything. Why do pay it? Right? So, he was trying to sell, got zero subscription, zero sales. After a month, two months, he tried to get on a call with few prospects, couldn't sell. So, and without even talking to him, he bought a marketing software. He reached out to me and told me that, udit you have sold me a software without even talking to me. How did you do that? Because I don't even buy softwares. <laughs> I don't buy I, I build it huh. I just don't and especially with marketing software, I don't I don't buy it at all I don't spend that money hmm. um, so I started speaking with him and he told me his credentials I was stunned so as per TopTel he's a top three developer in the world oh wow um, he's an ex NASA developer he's an ex Google developer and I'm I'm just stunned and at that point of stage I only had I had already hired a couple of developers but I was also looking for a CTO hmm. so he told me I want to work with you so I told him, why don't you join me as a CTO? I was anyways looking for it. Your credentials are absolutely amazing. You join me as an, as an interim CTO uh, for three months. If things work out, uh, we, we move on and we wanted to build the next version of pitch Run, which is more safe, secure and things that are working. The version that you see right now is, is that version, by the way. Nice. Uh, before we, Right now, we, we are working on the next version that's going to launch by the end of this year. So, he built that in a matter of just two months i gave him a timeline of three months but he built it in two months i told him join me as a co-founder i don't want you as a as a cto i want to build this along with you or already have oscar who handles our entire operation side of the things we have you as a cto Mm. our marketing sales operations Mm. and uh technology this core fundamental pillars were completely i was also handling finance being marwadi it was sort of like very natural for me so we never required any kind of like cfo so that's why i was referring to these four pillars you need these four core pillars to build any start any tech startup in general we were able to finally build that and from there we never stopped right and then last year we launched first sales uh, which is um, the previous failure and version Re-branded
0: 1... Rebranded it? Re- rebuilt. It. Completely uh, rebuilt, so rebuilt from, from yeah,
1: scratch. The, so the, the previous tech was not usable at all, right? And my CTO told me but the amount of time it will take me to fix it, I will end, anyway end up replacing about 95% of the code. So What's the scratch. point of fixing it? And then wasting our time in that. Instead, let's just build it. right? We will be able to build things a lot faster. So, he was able to build the entire product uh, as our version one. Um, and again, we did crazily, right? We we started growing very aggressively. We crossed over $600,000 in ARR in just a matter of, what, nine months. Oh, wow. To a point where now, version one, we cannot take enterprise clients anymore because it, the server cannot handle it, right? Because again, it was version one. So, we never built it keeping enter- enterprise in mind, yep. with, with that scale in mind. So we started building version two last year itself because we hit that 600,000 in ARR in November itself. But since then, we stopped onboarding new new big clients, Mm. the regular small clients are still onboarding, but Mm. big clients, we stopped onboarding them Mm. completely like Mm. enterprise. We told them we're not onboarding any enterprises right now Mm. because we need to rebuild the whole software now keeping enterprise in mind. And at the same time. AI started coming up, right? So we were like, "This is absolutely the perfect time for us mm. to build things the right way, mm. with all the AI enhancement and everything coming in." And we'll also have a very unfair advantage as compared to our customers because for a bigger company to rebuild their entire tech, the possibility of that is a big challenge. So we took this as a liberty, as a as a uh, as an opportunity. We started building it, and uh, in just about a month month of uh, month of time, we are about to launch version two. That is going to have some madness right we ran testing we onboarding crazy clients because we are using our own software now and the madness is just crazy you know sometimes i've always felt that as an entrepreneur it's it's also about timing when i sure. built the previous software which mm. failed mm. my timing was wrong but the timing right now is right right and also at the same time i have the right people so your team is very critical your um your timing needs to be very critical.
0: Mm-hmm. And finally, you need to have luck. Luck is the something that is so intangible, right? Intangible, but plays such a large role. And so every successful entrepreneur that I meet, when I ask them, what, you know, your are successful, what is one of the parameters? Yes, there is great, It's a good eye for people process. But every single person has mentioned luck. Can you create luck? According to me, I think you can also create a little bit of luck because you do things in the ecosystem that will kind of come back. Karma, I think, plays a very large Absolutely. role of luck. Uh, being ready to receive that luck. Let's say there's an opportunity, but you are not ready to receive it, or you don't have the tech, you don't have the right. No, thing. I think I think when you're looking for opportunity, you you need
1: to actually see it. Sometimes the opportunity is front of you, but you don't know. And you don't know that there's an opportunity sitting in front of you. You need to make sure that you identify that and grab that at the same time. Because what I feel is, opportunity will knock your door just three or four times in your entire life. That's it. True. It's your call to open the door for that opportunity. Because if you're not going to open that door, even opportunity will eventually come. Will say that, I'm tired of knocking your door. You're, you're not taking me in. Why would I knock your door? There are other people who are waiting for this opportunity. I would go and knock their
0: door then. So the other day I read a quote, it said that opportunities are disguised as hard work. They're disguised as insights which are there, which you may have for a fraction, but you didn't give it enough weightage, you didn't think about it. You got the flash, you didn't give it time, you didn't put effort behind it, and it vanished.
1: I think it's also about the the speed of your execution and, and again, like I said, the timing, right? So for example, right now, AI is trending at the moment everywhere. If you don't take action on it, trust me, my prediction is that in next two years, any SaaS that doesn't have an AI element to it gone. are gone because customers are never gonna be loyal to an old tech because if they can save more money, and they can make more money they would buy that software so I've always identified people buy software for just two reasons either to make more money or to save time that's it there is no third reason till in, in my 14 years of career I haven't found out the third reason
0: why people buy software and so uh, I want to circle back to pitch ground for a minute so at this moment how many different SaaS products are listed on pitch ground
1: so we have worked with over 700 saas companies as of now we have close to around i think 1000 plus saas companies in our pipeline so we try to make sure we keep on improving our process to find the best saas so uh, this is where like we keep observing uh, how generally angel networks work and how they refine things right so how they implement the process so keep learning and keep implementing these processes uh, so that's how basically how we are uh, operating right now so that's and, the number of saas that we have
0: worked with and uh, so I'm a big fan of Pitch Ground. Um, Thank you. me and my team are almost on it. I was mentioning the other day also. Almost every day my team is on it and they have a blanket approval. They don't have to ask, can I buy this product? If it's on pitch ground, credit card hai and the lelo. There's a very simple thing, just buy it. Because I think it makes it so easy to try new products. And Absolutely. suppose if it doesn't work out, I think the 60-day money back yeah. is just. It just takes so much pressure And it's off, all like, oh, it's all automated. You click a button and the money uh-huh. there is no like explaining yeah. I didn't, this didn't work that the button wow, yeah. you No
1: know, the funny funny part is that founders ask us why don't you implement asking for feedback? And I tell them we have no question ask money mm-hmm. back guarantee. Mm-hmm. Why should we ask question? <laughs> you tell me why should we ask any question? Uh-huh. Because that's our peace of mind that we are giving to them that sixty days is a good enough time, either it's enterprise, midsize or no. small company to test out a software because a division of department that they have they will probably spend 2-3 hours, 5 hours at the very most and companies that are very good will spend time on customer success mm. that's something that we tell to every single company focus on customer success mm. it's not about how much money that they have paid mm. because if you make them successful using your software they would pay you more true 100%. that's what a lot of
0: SaaS companies don't realize the, the value for money and uh, yesterday I learned a new uh, concept, which was the money for value. Means you can charge more, but you need to deliver more value.
1: 100%. It's as simple as that. It could be 100%. in terms
0: of uh, usability, it could be saving time. 100%. The other day, uh, and this doesn't apply to SaaS, but for other products as well, is prestige. So yesterday I was talking to somebody from the whiskey world. And they told me the concept of, you know, when a person starts their whiskey journey, you know, when they're younger, they will go for the cheaper you know, brands because they just want to get a high. But as you graduate, you're like every three to four years, people go up one level. They were actually naming the brands. I'm, I mean, I'm not very familiar with the lower brands, but they're like every three, four years, they level up. Now, why does somebody drink a 20,000 rupee bottle of whiskey or 50,000 bottle of whiskey? The whiskey is not that great, but it's also signal to the world letting them know that, hey, you know, I've arrived or this is the level we are at. Now, the funny thing in software is, I think there is some bragworthiness that is there in software, right? And it's not always about a price point, it is about getting a great value, like for example, the minute I got your uh, LTD deal for first sale, I told 10 people about it. Because fantastic value, limited time, you are like, hey boss, I can only do it for this much time. So I told 10 people about it, I just got this, guys, here's the link, go go, go check it out. That bragworthiness comes in, right? And what I also loved about first sale was what is coming up in your version two, like some of the stuff is like pretty mind blowing, you can literally type, hey, I want to create a campaign, and boom, it makes the whole campaign, Right? that's going to be absolutely mind blowing. I'm really excited for that. So my last question for you is, in this entire journey of 14 years, what was the one big lesson that you've learned that if you could go back in time, you know, you tell your 18 year old self, Ki ar- do this, like you'll get so you obviously had successes. You probably had failures learnings, as I would call them. But what is that one lesson you'd go tell your eighteen year old self?
1: I think I've been pretty happy with my journey, mm-hmm. to be very honest with you, right? If I go back I would I would say the same thing that Odith I'm glad that you actually took the risk. You had the courage, you did not care about anything and we just kept going. I think for everyone else as well, I I will say the same thing, right? You you gotta have the courage. Whether you're doing a job, whether you're you're taking up another job or whether you want to freelance, you want to start a business, you need to take the courage for that next big step because growth is always going to be uncomfortable.
0: I think that's my big take. Growth is going to be uncomfortable.
1: If you want to grow, so for example, I want to lose weight right now. I have to hit gym every day. (laughs) No one is going to do that for me. True. Right. And that growth is painful. Yes. But it's very fruitful as well. So you have to make sure that you come out of your comfort zone. The, the day you get into your comfort zone, trust me, it's over for you. It's Love literally it. over for you. Love right? It. So growth is uncomfortable eventually. So you have to make sure that you come out of your shell uh, to do whatever you're doing in life. It takes pain, but that's how the world is built upon. That's how you're going to achieve big things when you come out of your comfort zone.
0: Fantastic. With it, thank you so much for being on the show, you've shared so many fantastic insights on growth hacks, on how to battle depression. I'm very, very happy that you spoke about depression because I think it's such an underspoken topic. So many people will suffer, they suffer quietly because they think they're going to be judged. What they don't realize is that if people are authentic and if you're open about the fact that I went through something and you shared it with other people. It actually makes you more likable, makes you more relatable because guess what? Every single person who's had ups has had downs.
1: Everyone who has gone through depression, they it's it's a matter of whether you accept it or not. Right? It can be bigger depression, it can be shorter. Some could just handle it by themselves, some needed some help, right? So we need to come out of the stigma uh, that mental health is bad we shouldn't talk about it. it's actually a good thing to talk about it because when you have two like-minded people talking about it it eases if your mind because depression is nothing but a bunch of stuff just in your head that you need to speak to someone uh, so that you feel a lot more relief that's what depression that's is all about true right you need to see there is a light after the end of the tunnel and you need someone to tell you that sometimes right when you're going through that phase so when, when you are talking to people and they're able to tell you this, I think that's when you kind of like build that courage once again to come out of it and just rebuild your confidence ultimately. Lovely. As long as you're able to do that, you will always come out of it. You know, so I don't see any wrong about uh people trying to hide because again, this doesn't mean that you're you're stupid, you're mad, right? Of there is no not. problem with that. Of course. It's just a phase, it's just a lifestyle that you have gone through. So That's what I feel mental health is all about.
0: And I think that's a great point. And the more people understand this and the more people talk about it openly, I think it's literally going to save lives. It's not just going to help improve yours, but it's going to save lives. Because the other day uh, I was reading the stat that during the pandemic, the suicide rate was the highest in entrepreneurs. And for the first time, it actually overshot farmers because so many businesses failed so many things happened a lot of this is preventable when you talk to people right so even all the helplines which are there you know it's sometimes you can talk to a friend you can talk to family members you can talk to people in your own you know community you can talk to people from your office you can talk to each other you can talk to so many people about this you can seek professional help because sometimes the person may be able to guide you because they don't know really what you're going through they're doing their best sometimes you may need to seek professional help If I get a cold, if I get a bad cough, if I get a stomach upset, I go to a doctor. Absolutely. If I get a headache, I go to a doctor. But if I'm going through depression, why not go to a doctor? Absolutely. I'm I'm very, very very happy.
1: You know, so with regards to failure, I would like to add one more thing. Mm. A good friend of mine who told me that his friend had a crazy failure in his life. Uh, He's based out of UK. Mm. He sold his failure and made $4 million. Wow. (laughs) And that too in just two years of time. He wow. would get invited to every event mm. to speak about his failure and he was paid to do that. So that other people can learn from those mistakes. He started selling his mistakes and made $4 million in two years.
0: So I think Angkor Warik also is very popular. Like He you know, calls himself the failed CEO. And uh, it's interesting to see how people are turning their scars into their strength. right? Instead of hiding your scar, you can actually show your
1: scar. It makes it more relatable.
0: And We're all humans, no one is perfect.
1: And if anyone says they're perfect, they're probably called at that stage. Right? Not a single person is perfect. Everyone has issues in their life. It's a matter of again accepting the mistake and being vulnerable because if you want to especially grow on the internet, you have to be authentic. You have to be yourself. You need to be vulnerable. If you're not going to be vulnerable, trust me, it's just gonna look like you're trying to meet people. Correct. That's all it will look right. like. Correct.
0: So thank you. Thank you for those insights. So it was Pleasure's lovely meeting you. Same and uh, I wish the team at Pitch Ground and you the very best. The team at First Sales and you the very best. I think you're doing a fantastic work. And I'm always excited to now see what you're going to do next. Because I can guarantee <laughs> you, I know you're going to be doing new things. And I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on it. And I wish you all the best. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Pleasure of mine. Thank you so much for having me, way, Thank you.